Hello, hello, and welcome to yet another From Our Twenties podcast. As always, I have Casey Woodard joining me from Buffalo this time. How are we doing? Oh, yeah. Dude, different city every week. I feel like a rock star. Heck, yeah. And I am Brandon Olson. I should probably throw that in there as well. Uh, so, unless you have, again, an icebreaker, I'll just kind of kick us into maybe what we're talking about. What do you think is your biggest flaw as a person? Got way deeper. Wow. Uh, I think I can maybe be judgmental sometimes and maybe not as uh, accepting of things at first. Like I assume the uh, the wrong first impression and then once I get to know somebody, then I, I see through that and realize that I should not have judged them on that. Makes sense. How about, right how about you? Uh, I think these kind of go hand in hand. I was going to say like, I can very easily get like self-obsessed, but I think like on a more specific level, like I tend to view my life in the third person, which is kind of like a very specific facet of that. Like I'm always like seeing my life through other people's eyes and then like adjusting for it. It's kind of a cool perspective though. Seeing my life through what I assume, what I think is the other, other people's eyes. Like obviously I can't read mine. So just, I'm always like trying to read body language and reception and like yeah adjust that that can be kind of dangerous yeah like i mean there's some figure out what another person thinks about you which then you're just assuming and speculating yeah and and like it's a double-edged sword like there's definitely instances where i do it in like a helpful way where it's like how can i be more accommodating like somebody's clearly like uncomfortable how can i like bring them into like the group it's like it can go both ways or i can do it to like help other people but then a lot of times it's like okay, like, how can I make this conversation or this interaction go the way I want it to go? Yeah. And I'm kind of going to, like, all right, here's how they're receiving it. I'm going to adjust, steer it in another direction. Like, oh, okay, so, like, they didn't respond well to that, so I'm going to sort of, like, temper that part of me or, like, that view I have. So this is something. Yeah, I think it's more of a negative. I think it's more of a negative than a positive, but it can be positive. Sure. Yeah, because we sometimes shape our – like we were talking about this weeks ago and we've just talked about it on and on at times where we sometimes just know how to shape our answers to, in a sense, like people please so that we get other people to like us, not in a manipulative exactly, way, yeah. not not by that, but just we know how to answer things so that it um, is kind of people pleasing or it looks and sounds professional or dressed up, I guess. Yeah, I think I treat too much of my life of an interview. Yeah. So it's really easy. Like, that's why it means so much to me. And it should be easier to do this when I have, like, friends like you or Shane, where it's, like, it's legitimately, like, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. When I keep, like, sorry, cars went by. Like, it's legitimately, like, I don't know. I don't know if everybody feels this way. If it's, like, extra for me where it's, like, literally just a breath of fresh air when I'm in a room where I feel like I can just be me there doesn't have to be any like mental or verbal filter sure i don't know it's tough like i only know how i feel but it seems like that's something that's particularly important or intense to me when like i feel like i can just always let my hair down around certain people because i feel like it's easy for me to be guarded to some extent <laughs> or another. let your hair down what the <laughs> okay uh... it's an expression yeah, I know, I know, but you're a dude. I know, I mean, dude. I used to have long hair. 
It got down to my chin last summer. That's true. You did have some shaggy hair. But all right. So speaking uh, of long hair, <laughs> masculinity, <laughs> femininity. Hey, you know, that's not. That's, it is what segment. a transition. So yeah, you and I have kind of a lot of it's through observation, and this will kind of get to our topic. Is we've kind of observed and been in a lot of Christian cultures, whether it was at Liberty. Um, because it's a Christian school and then just throughout the different churches that we've been to, or even some of the sermons and type of services that we watched online and even some of Christian music or a lot of Christian music. And we've kind of noticed something that I don't think people are like talking about at all. And that's that, or we have a theory that churches or Christianity is geared towards more of a feminine audience. If that makes sense. Am I and tracking right? I, yeah, I think a way to make it a little bit more specific is one, like asking the question, A, ha, is Christianity an inherently feminine religion? Right. B, if not, has church, you know, culture over the past years, decades, centuries, etc., made it into it? Or B is our points A and B. You know, it it isn't inherently feminine, and the church hasn't made it that way. And you and I are just, and other people are just seeing things that aren't true. Yeah, no, I think that's. I don't think church has always been this way, and I think if we look back in history, we can see that the church was started kind of as men being the leaders and i think men are still the leaders in churches today and that's kind of how it was set up to be but i think we're seeing a shift where there are less men in the church and i don't know if that is a correlation with now how the services and all the surrounding aspects of just church if that's why it's becoming more feminine is because there's just more, more women in the church. And so you're getting the aesthetics, you're getting more emotion, just kind of things are more dressed up like inside the church to appeal to, you know, like the aesthetics that women like and, and also the music that's being played. It used to be, I mean, old school from what we know is like hymnals and, now it's shifted in this contemporary worship where there's a lot of synthesizers, if that's the right word. I'm not a huge musician. You mean like the keyboards? Like the keyboards and like they're holding, well, holding notes I'm, long. And so it's like all to, like emotional. To step it back, I mean, I don't know if – I mean, I listen to a lot of music that has – I wouldn't say that the type of music from an arrangement or musical perspective is even more feminine. I think it's almost like lyrically. Sure. Uh, yeah. So if you think, if you think about a lot of the songs and I'm by no means making an argument to go back to singing hymns, uh, yeah. which Me a either. lot of churches <laughs> are. Um, but if you think of something like onward Christian soldier. Yeah. And now that's become like the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God. And I have no problem with the use of the word reckless. I know that was like a point of contention in the church, but I'm just thinking, and we both read an article and it was like a pretty long one titled is Christianity inherently feminine religion. And one of the points they make there is if you look at the old, like songs that they used to sing, a lot of them were geared up like soldiers going into battle. Yep. And he distilled it down to like a single word is mission. And now all of the songs are more, if they, you distill it down to a single word, love. Right. And obviously God is like, like 
not to take away from that, but there's a much more emphasis. And the way that the writer of this article described it was, I don't want to use the word sexist, but it, it was a little bit more stereotypically generalized yeah. towards gender roles than something I would be personally, I don't know if I'd use the word comfortable with, but I'd say agree with, but the, the bent he took on it was, you know, the songs used to be about, you know, what men want most in life, which is purpose and mission. And nowadays they're about what women want most in life, which is, you know, a lover, which like I said, is a, is a little bit more stereotypical than I think would be fair to say, but I still think there's that definitely that men are more interested in like a purpose and a mission in their life. Yeah. Um, and are less interested in, uh, you know, the love, obviously the like kindness, finding somebody is still important, but that's not, that's not as fulfilling to them as having an overall mission and purpose. And obviously women want mission and purpose as well too. Yes. Um, just how men, you know, most men want, you know, someone to love. Uh, but still there's something that hits men and women differently within that, where the thought of a God who, you know, is ultimately searching for them, seeking them out is, you know, they are, and obviously biblically speaking, you know, the church is the bride of Christ. And so not, none of that's biblic, like unbiblical. It's just what points are we stressing harder? And part of what we, uh, part of what the writer of this article was stressing is how a lot of the worship music, and then a lot of even the teaching points t- tend to stress the more love aspects of God's nature rather than the missional calling of the Christian life, which is something that might appeal more to men than to women. Yeah. So it seems that we're both kind of in agreement that the church, and we, we say church are being extremely general. It's not like every single church right. is doing this. Um, and even when, even on a more specific level, like the church in America, but it appears that the church definitely to some extent or another seems to be, leaning more feminine in at least worship and yeah. get into more details. Yeah, I would agree with that. But so it seems like we're both kind of in agreement at that point. But I think this brings out the other point, which is, is Christianity an inherently feminine religion? Um, and my gut level reaction is no, of course not. It's not. Right. But I think a good argument could be, there are points that could bring that up. Um, one of them, I think, even as we're thinking back to the last conversation we had, which is like, where does my confidence come from? We're specifically talking about it in dating. Um, and the point I was kind of making, and I still kind of land on to an extent is that dating or sorry, not dating, like confidence is by nature exclusionary in the sense that the only reason you can have confidence in something is because you have something which not many other people have. And so I think a lot of the points that I brought up and I was just trying to be like generalization stereotypes is like, if you're a guy, you know, you're tall, you have like a muscular lean build, you have a good job, you have like the stereotypical like James Bond, you know, every man wants to be him, every woman wants to be with him sort of thing. And like, it's easy for confidence to come from that if that's who you are. But in Christianity, we are called to lay all of that down, realize that man or woman, whoever it is, you know, all of a sudden, all fallen short, if there's any good thing in me, it's from Christ. Essentially, anything that we could have confidence in, I believe it's I don't know if it's Hebrews, but it's, you know, no, it wasn't Hebrews. Uh, I forget the uh, book, but it was Paul writing. And he was saying, you know, all these things, he was saying all the qualifications he had where he was about as holy as you could possibly be. Um, but like, I count these all as rubbish. And the word he actually used in the original language was much stronger than rubbish. <laughs> uh, but that's a conversation for a different time. 
but basically he's saying like anything that I could take confidence in doesn't matter. The only thing that I'm, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in Christ. Yeah. And so if you think about is Christianity inherently feminine religion? Well, some of this goes back and maybe this goes back more towards the confidence thing than it does femininity versus masculinity. But, you know, correct me if I'm you know, wrong here, but confidence seems to be more valued in men than it is in women. Like, is that a questionable assumption to make? I'm not saying confidence in women isn't attractive. I'm just saying, like, it's usually more valued in men stereotypically. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, it's tough to say nowadays because women, you know, yeah women these days are all about being strong independent and with that i think confidence is right yeah, there. nothing wrong nothing with wrong that, with that even though it can be taken can, too far right. depending on the interpretation right. but yeah so i think part of it is i'm called to lay down all of the you know the strength the whatever even though there's a calling in my life to be on mission for christ pretty much anything that is typically masculine for the most part whether it's my job, my, I don't know. I, I don't like lift a whole lot, but you know, like some guy who's benching like 400 pounds, like that's supposed to not matter, even though strength is a typically masculine virtue. Basically everything is supposed to be laid down. And yet a lot of the associations you make with more traditional femininity, you know, like meekness, gentleness, kindness, those are called you know, and obviously I'm just naming like the positive attributes, but those are called to be kept in like high regard and pursued. So uh, it seems that at least at first glance, a lot of traditionally feminine traits are more encouraged in Christianity. Whereas even though there's masculine traits, you know, like leadership, servitude, courage are highly, you know, spoken of within Christianity. It's also a lot of the stuff where, you know, if it's taken too far, a lot of I think it's easier for men to be prideful or at least it shows up more easily. I think traditional feminine pride is a lot more under the surface, whereas men, it can look like domineering, challenging, anything like that. So maybe it's just what lies like above or under the surface. Yeah. I mean, I just think that I mean, I'm tracking with you and a lot of sermons or really what Jesus calls us to do is to, to humble ourselves and to, love on others and serve others and be kind to others. Like all of these kind of soft nurturing maybe is the best word. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. softer nurturing um, characteristics. And that doesn't really appeal to men. And I think, and that's, and that's okay. Cause not everybody is, you know, built to have that nurturing side. Uh, I just think sometimes, and I'm generalizing because I, I'm not saying all things here, but a lot of sermons are preached on these things. But yet in the Bible, there are so many stories, especially uh, if we look Old Testament of courageous acts and bravery and, and the actual like terms that, that men like, like to talk about. Like There was tons and tons and tons of battles and wars in the Old Testament where we talked about these heroes like Samson and David. And so I think we're overgeneralization is I think more and more the New Testament is getting preached. And so we're hearing all of the things that Jesus did and how he was with people, which is great because Jesus is the most important person to ever live. And he is the greatest example. But there are some really good stories in the Old Testament, too, that give uh, background into who God is and show his character 
and it also shows and highlights some some stronger characters, if you will, in the Bible. So it seems like we agree that, you know, despite that, what we said, you, like you contrasted what I was saying, where Christianity doesn't seem to be inherently feminine. It's just a matter of what like has been taught on for a while now. Like there's plenty of stories and displays and calls to a healthy masculinity that don't seem to be talked about as much as the more traditionally feminine aspects that we are called to embody but we still seem to agree that christianity has become more feminine at least the way that it's been taught yeah, in churches in nowadays some churches, yeah. in some yeah this is everything in this conversation is in, in a complete generalization yeah. and it's just an overview of trends we've been seeing this isn't specific i think a lot of it is one these, church a lot of the bigger churches who are trying to get you and i shouldn't say get you but the bigger who utilize emotion, utilize emotion as a exactly. means for yes. movement. They use emotion uh, to which get you to I, act on kind of a one moment type of thing, which I don't think there's anything like specifically wrong with it. If you don't stop there, like if there's no follow up after the emotion and teaching, so like you can have preaching, but you should also have teaching, if that makes sense. Exactly. So I guess here's the question: Is do you think that this has been targeted or it's just happened as in i guess a better way to phrase that is have preachers decided um hey i want to structure this to get more women in the pews or do you think it's just a byproduct of what's happened and i i have a bit of a theory on this so i'd love to hear your take as to whether this was premeditated or it's just oh i guess like a lot more women are responding to this um, I haven't thought about this a ton as to like why, but I, I have a theory, no idea if it's right, but track with me here. I think it, does it maybe follow a little bit of like the culture and phase that, uh, like our society is in So then, so then the churches are trying to mimic like the appealing, the cool thing the hip thing at the time going with the style as well. So like you're going to have the jeans, skinny jeans, or, or we're just changing as a culture. So the churches are changing with it to appeal to the When audience. you say skinny jeans, I assume you're referring to on the men specifically. Yeah. I have, if we were a bigger podcast, this is something that could get me canceled. Uh, but we only have hundreds, not hundreds of thousands of listeners. So I think I feel pretty safe. Uh, I believe, and this is purely from personal experience, and maybe it's just because of people I am friends with related to know. I think that in a broad generalization, I don't want to say it's easier. I think women have a lower threshold, once again, in general, for believing things than men do and that's not saying they're more gullible i think it means they're more like trusting i'm just thinking okay so i'll I'll be like really specific i am related to somebody who does the whole like essential oils thing has or is been involved in several of those multi-level marketing things and everybody i know that's a part of those is a woman and I work in financial services every now and then. Unfortunately, we do have some 
abuse instances mm. not when i say abuse i mean like somebody's been scant you know the whole nigerian yeah. prince thing and that is overwhelmingly tends to be older women who are you know prey to that now maybe they're just potentially targeted more so i don't want to assume that that's the direct correlation but i think and I, maybe I should frame this in the negative on men's side. Maybe men are more guarded, more skeptical, and less trusted. Yeah. And so it's harder for them. Like, I, I want to make this seem fair, like, because I feel like I kind of framed it as women are more gullible. But, you know, maybe men are more closed and cold and, well, we're just, you know, closed we're off. We're not as in touch with our emotions. And so we just don't, I don't know, we don't buy into it as much because there's, because it is emotions and we don't like, to talk about our feelings or express feelings, but women definitely do. I don't believe that's a necessarily thing in terms of adopting Christianity as a whole, but I think you're right. It's how like churches have approached it. Because if you look at the stats, this gender gap or whatever you want to call it is a uniquely American or at least Western issue. And in, in terms of most of the Eastern hemisphere, it's and in other religions too. So you'd think that, you know, if just all women were more likely to have a religion than all men, then that would show up everywhere. And that's not the case. Um, within Christianity in the Eastern hemisphere, it's pretty even. And in general, within other religions, it's also pretty even uh, in terms of the distribution of men versus women who adhere to that religion or who, to, who adhere to Christianity and the eastern hemisphere so i think that it's more a messaging issue where the message is tailored such that women are more likely to respond to it in the church in america but also you kind of hit on this with the whole like use skinny jeans as like a stereotype but you kind of hit on it as well where i was having a conversation with a single female friend of mine and we were talking uh you know, she lives in Buffalo. I'm in Cincinnati now. And she just got like out of a relationship with someone. And she was saying like, it is really hard to find an actual like manly guy who's a Christian. And when she said manly, she didn't mean like a lumberjack works construction, rides motorcycles. She just meant like, it's hard to find a guy who isn't that feminine, who's still a strong believer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and like, do you think that's, do you think that's an ongoing thing? Maybe that's just isolated to no, I, our neck of the woods or my old one. Or do you think that that's pretty common where it's like a lot of guys who are Christians, they're still kind of feminine. Yeah. I think at least for our generation, there's a big gap in the gender showing up. I, I just think like guys just don't find church appealing at all. And, and I, and, and I, now, do you, sorry, I just yeah. to interject there. Do you think that's because of church specific, do they not find church appealing or do they not find Christianity appealing or both? I think it's both. I mean, the church gives the perception of Christianity, right? Yeah. So I'm a little bit puzzled on the why, but I mean, being, you know, I go, I go to church, I attend and I've attended lots of churches and I've seen it where the service is definitely more emotional. And I can see where a guy just doesn't like enjoy being at the service because he's just, he, especially like the worship portion, like 
it makes you just, I don't know, you, you have to let your guard down. And guys don't like to get emotional and and sing in that sort of fashion. But I've also been in a lot of churches that are led really well and I think are are also appealing to men. But I think with our generation, it's just not attractive to go. And maybe they just don't, they just aren't seeing a purpose or a reason to have God in their lives. I think because they're just keep us guys are just chasing after careers and fun and parties and, and whatever culture in the world is throwing at us. And so that becomes enough for us guys is because we're not seeking emotion so much as like what we want. We seek purpose and just some sort of the physical things. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it saddens me and I don't necessarily know what the solution is here or really all the reasons why we're seeing a decline in men going to church. But I think it is up to the men to reignite other guys to come back to the church and for us to kind of bring back the manliness of church and show that there are some great godly characteristics that we should all be. And it's not just love and kindness and serving. While those are big points, there is a call for us men to be men and to use our God-given characteristics. Sure. So what do you think the solution is? I don't mean like the macro but let's just say within one church what do you think the best way to fix this is i think and this is both very simple and very difficult i think that the best way to do that would just the men who are in the church to be men to love god and then to share him with other people which sounds like a very gross oversimplification, but I think it might have been C.S. Lewis or there's someone around that time period who like was doing a critique on how it seemed like pretty much all of the famous Christians were pastors. And he was like, that's the worst way to spread the gospel across the world is that as soon as you love God, you become a pastor. Like, how are you supposed to infiltrate culture that way? You should like have your calling and you should be excellent at it and then love God where it's like, we don't want all of the Christians just confined into one small pocket, not even of culture, but like you can make an argument that Christianity is somewhat removed from culture, the church, you know, removed from whatever you think of the whole like celebrity pastor culture or whatever. Um, You know, even a lot of people wouldn't know who a lot of the top like apologists, like your William Lane Craig's or like people like that, the actual top like Christian thinkers are because they're somewhat removed from culture when really like we need like the most famous actors and directors and musicians and college professors and investment bankers and airline pilots. Like we need those people to be strong believers. Like it's not like as soon as somebody comes to love God and to really know his word, we want to suddenly remove them from the game and put them into church ministry. Not that there's anything wrong with anybody going into ministry. Like that's really important and we really need it. But like a lot of the problem is like as soon as somebody like really loves God, it's like, oh, I should be a pastor. You know, I should, I feel called into ministry. 
Um, and it's like, no, like, why don't you just like do your job and live your life and love yeah. God? And that, that seems like a way more effective way to reach people than, sorry, like I, like I said, I, I want to keep like giving that preface, like there's nothing wrong with having fat. Like we need pastors. They should love the Lord and like be called into it. The way we invade culture isn't by creating a Christian radio network that's going to critique every bad song or questionable movie that comes out. It's by making like really good, better ones and this was also a critique by the person who wrote that article is like, stop writing so many Christian books and making Christian movies. Just make like really good books in really good movies and be a Christian. Um, and obviously part of encompassing that is there likely won't be anything egregious content wise within those, but like, you can tell a lot of the time when you're listening to Christian music, like it just kind of has a sound to it sometimes. Right. And specifically it's not as good as something that you'd normally hear on the radio. Like you can tell, like, I think the best example, or maybe I should say worst example is like, you can tell when it's a Christian movie, like nothing against God's, well, maybe something against God's not dead. That was kind of a dumb movie. Like that's not how it would happen. Like, that's just not how things go. Yeah. I think is the way I'd put it. And so it's like, we try to, like, these little pockets try to create Christian versions of something that's already in the world. Why don't we just create really, really good versions of it and be Christians and show that within the people that we work at? And, you know, I've seen somebody, it was a sermon about work. And it's like, I don't care how much you love God and share the gospel. If you're the worst employee, you're doing a really bad job. Like, it'd be better if you shut up about Jesus and just did your job <laughs> than it would be to do a bad job at it and tell everyone about him. Yeah, God calls us to be a good steward of whatever mission he's put us in. There will be opportunities for us to share the gospel. But yeah, we should do our job first and and glorify God in that. But um in any work that we do, we should do it for the Lord and it can look a variety of different ways. And, um, God needs all of us in each of the careers. Not like you said, not just in ministry and in churches, but spread out all over. And that's the best way to reach people. Yeah. And I hope what nobody, I hope nobody heard me say like, don't share the gospel. Like what I was saying is don't just share the gospel. You should share yeah. it and live it. Like you shouldn't be selling fat loss pills if you're still fat like show that there's actually something behind what you're telling people and i think specifically going into like the masculine side of that i think that what that means is like you can retain all like hit the gym like have a beer with some friends and then like be a light like you can retain all of the traditionally masculine things and show them that I think it's just what showcases, you know, like you said, people do gun for the more like emotional response lately. And I think women are like way, I, I don't want to say women are more emotional. I think women are a lot more advanced than men when it comes to being in touch of their emotions. And even if that can be taken too far at points, I think men could learn a lot from that. And so if there is, you know, be an emotionally healthy, God loving man, and show that to other people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, that's kind of all I got. Like, there's really not a whole lot of answers to that one. But I guess at the end of the day, Christian, we don't think Christianity is inherently feminine, but it has become that. And what we're lacking is a strong male. I don't want to say male bend, but like evening that out. I guess like to end, just like the stat that was shocking to me, and I don't have the exact stats, but I think it was something like within like a family, if one child gets saved, about 10% of the time, like the entire family usually ends up getting saved. If the mother or wife gets saved, usually it's like 20 to 25% of the time the entire family gets saved. And if the man gets saved first, usually about 90% of the time the rest of the family mm-hmm. does, which is just an incredible yeah. statistic. But it's just showing like what a lack there is there of. Dude, like, okay, start, like, do we want more people in heaven? Like, that, that sounds terrible. They're like, oh, we want more people in heaven. Let's start, like, targeting the men. But statistically speaking, if the church really wanted to see a revival, they should start shifting their message to men because then everything else yeah. seems to follow, um, which, which I know is, you know, that face level can sound bad, but you, you understand what I'm saying there where it's, okay, like, if the men are getting saved, yeah. everybody no, else is. Nine times out of ten versus right. a quarter no, we're not of being the time. sexist by any means. We are not. We're just saying what the statistics are telling us. And I think just men are natural born leaders in most cases. And I think a lot of people, both males and females, look to men to be the leaders. I think we were kind of created by God to be in that role. Yeah, exactly. Scripturally speaking, I'd agree. Sorry, I'm offering lots of disclaimers because I just know this will be out there forever. So I don't want to listen 30 years from now and realize that it aged yeah. poorly. <laughs> but that's all I got on that, I think, unless you Yeah, have no, I don't really have a whole lot. All right, well, maybe that's it then. Got questions? Email us at from r 20 com. Thanks for the feedback that I've, that we've received so far. It really does mean a lot to hear from you guys. And to know that we have listeners that appreciate what we're doing. Uh, We're going to continue to keep rolling out content. And, yeah, if you want us to talk about any topics, just let us know. And and we'll tackle them if we we are able to get to it. So this will wrap up another episode of From Our 20s. Signing off. See ya.